tea today for the portion of Ayichi. It's the last parsha of the first book of the uh, five books of the Torah, the the book of Bereshis. This is the final uh, last parsha, and the parsha begins actually almost like Nancy's bracha. It begins with Vayichi. You should live. You know Vayichi Yaakov. Yaakov lived. You know sometimes life. We're not living life. We're just, you know, we're just there. You know, it's happening around us. But Vayichi Yaakov says that Yaakov lives so that we should merit that we should live life to the fullest and accomplish what we can and what we need to accomplish. And it should really be considered uh, life, life worth living. And um, in all meaning, in all interpretations of the world of the word so let's discuss today we'll discuss actually so what does the Pasuk say uh, and the issue will be uh, the question is how could Yaakov have his best year or years I should say in Mitzrayim how could he have his best years in Mitzrayim so let's go ahead and read the first Pasuk in Vayichi and the Baal HaTurim the Baal HaTurim is the author of a commentary on the Chumash. And many times the Baal HaTurim um, uses gematrias, uses the number numerical value of the words to bring some insight into the uh, Parsha. So, the... Um, okay, so let's start with the beginning of the the. Uh, Parsha, and uh, it says like this, Vayichi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim. This is the opening, the first verse of the Parsha. And Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt, Shva Esrei Shana, for 17 years. Meaning from the time he met Yosef, that he came, and the family of Yaakov moved to Egypt, he lived for 17 years, he lived in Egypt. And then eventually the verse says, Yaakov, What was the days? How long did Yaakov live? Sheva Shonim Arboim Maas Shono. Seven and forty and hundred. 147 years was the total years of Yaakov. And the best years that Yaakov lived was in the land of Egypt. Now we know. The Yaakov's life was full with excitement, so to speak, uh, full with challenges. And uh, Yaakov had, uh, if you want to say, a hard life, a hard life. And we know that it started off already in his mother's womb, because Esau was already in his mother's stomach, it says, within his mother's womb, they were already wrestling one another. So, starting from there, and then we know that with Esav was trying to always uh, get to Yaakov, even as kids, they were uh, doing bad things. But eventually, we know that Esav really was after Yaakov. He tried to kill him when Yaakov got the Bechorah. And then Yaakov had to deal with Lavan uh, when he was running away from his brother. And then... He had to deal uh, with Esav again later on, and then with Zedina, with Shechem, and um, all these things was a terrible uh, cost. And then uh, finally, he came to the land of Canaan. So he was hoping that things will be better. Uh, then they sold his dear son Yosef, uh, the brothers, uh, and he was mourning for him. Okay? So... The Baba Turim says something interesting. It says, Vayichi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim. That Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt. He says, he lived, like we said before, lived in the land of Egypt, meaning that he really lived. He lived. Lived, he said, in the land of Egypt. What does this mean? So he has two commentaries. One thing he says Word Vayichi, this is what he says. I'm not going to bother reading inside, but he says the word Vayichi, as you can see, I, I spelled it out of here, okay, equals 34, okay? Uh, so you have like this, how do you get to 34? 
Uh, I'm not sure why it didn't. You have six, the vav, I'm not sure why I wrote ten there, but the six plus ten is sixteen, mm-hmm. plus eight is twenty-four, plus yud is another ten, it's thirty-four. Because man, it's supposed to be a, a, a six over there, not a ten, okay? So it's six plus eight, I don't know what to know, ten plus eight, I guess the six came in there, oh, it goes this way. It goes from left to right, sorry. Yeah. It, it took it so it's six. Six is the vav, plus ten is the yud, plus eight is the ches, plus another ten, equals thirty-four. So he says thirty-four. So he says like this. So you see, in the beginning he says that you see, actually Yaakov had thirty-four years that he was living in peace. He lived for thirty-four years. Why thirty-four? Gamatria, the equivocal value of the word vayichi. How do we get thirty-four? So 17 we have in this Parsha, right? Shvas Rishono, that he lived in Egypt. That was the great years. But it says Yosef, when he was sold, he was 17 years old. Yosef was 17 years old. So that means technically from the birth of Yosef till his sale, that is also considered uh, good years. So the gematria from Vayichi, the numerical value, Vayichi 34, those were the good years. 17 years before Yosef was sold, and 17 years after they encountered them in Mitzrayim, when they lived together in Mitzrayim. So that was 17 years. But really, in our verse, it says, Yaakov lived in the land of Mitzrayim. So the living really was in the land of Mitzrayim. So the, the Balturim brings another interpretation. Even those 17 years, because he was mourning and everything else, they basically wiped out. He didn't have any good years. The only good years he had is the 17 years that he lived in Egypt. Those 17 years were good, were life. If you take the numerical value of the word tov, what means tov? Tov means good, right? So the gematri of Tov, Tes is 9, Vav is 6, is 15, and Vez is 2, is 17. So that equals the 17 good years. The years that he really lived was the years in Egypt. So it turns out that the life of Yaakov was always difficult, besides at the end, besides at the last 17 years, which was Vayichi Yaakov, that Yaakov lived. But the surprising, I guess, the question is, how could it be that the best years should be in the land of Egypt? You know, on a, a spiritual level, we know that the land of Egypt was considered on a very low spiritual level. People there behaved and lived life of promiscuity, of uh, very immoral lives. They didn't live, live uh, lives of any kind of, of real value. So that was Mitzrayim. And you know, you, the Torah many times when the Torah says, don't do like the land that you're coming from and don't do like the land you're going to. In other, don't behave like them because they were both pretty bad, but Mitzrayim in a way was even worse than, than, than Deretz Canaan. But whatever, whoever was worse, but the problem question is the how could it be that the best years of Yaakov were in Egypt? See, the Tzamach Tzedek, his name was Menachem Mendel. He was the grandson of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe was Shneir Zaman. The Tzamach Tzedek, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, when he was a child, and he went to the uh, Talmud Torah, he went to the Cheder, he went to the class, and the teacher taught him in the parsha. he said that Vayichi Yaakov means that Yaakov's best life was in Egypt. So when he came home, he asked his grandfather, he asked the Alter Rebbe, he said, how could it be that the best years of Yaakov were in Egypt? What did he answer? And the Alter Rebbe answered over him. It's very interesting because when Yosef invited everybody to come back and Pyro to come back to Egypt, so the verse says 
that he sent Yehuda ahead of him. Lahoides, lefun of Goishnam. So literally, it means in the first commentary, Rashi says he said basically Yehuda to prepare how to settle, you know, just to so know where to go and what to do. He went ahead. But the second commentary Rashi makes over there, the word lahoides means to instruct, to teach, to guide. And Rashi explains that he went over there to set up a place of study so that when they would be in the land of Goshen, in, 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 in Ramses, in, in, in Egypt, in the place where they moved, that they would also have a, um, a Torah. They would also study Torah. So what did he tell him? So basically... He told him that he prepared a place of study Torah. So if you have Torah, he says, you can live even in Egypt. So even if you're in a, in a bad place, you can still live there because you have the Torah. And when you have the Torah, then you are sort of protected. So, the truth of the matter is, we know... We understand how those were his best years. We understand. For two reasons, we understand. First of all, as we said, he didn't have any more tsuris, right? All of his tsuris, all of his problems that he had throughout his life came to an end, and now he has all of his family with all the children, with the Eneklach, the grandchildren, and the sons, and everybody surrounding him. So he was happy. So what kind of a question is it? How could you have your best life in Egypt? Because till then he didn't have all this. He was either mourning for his son or he's running away from his brother or he's being uh, uh, trying to protect himself from his uncle who's trying to cheat him. So now it's better. So what's the question? How could his best years be in Egypt? There's another question also, also on a spiritual level. You know, it was very important to Yaakov that all of his children go in the path of that he taught them, the path of belief in Hashem, act kindly, do the mitzvahs, do justice. This was something that was very important. This was something that was absolutely important to Yaakov. One of the things that Yaakov was concerned was how Yosef is doing. He knew the rest, the rest of the sons were with him. So he had a very good uh, understanding where they're up to. But his, what happened to Yosef and what happened to his children, he wasn't sure. In the verse we read that it's only after he realized that Yosef remained very committed to Hashem, to the teachings of his father, and he's teaching that his children, that gave Yaakov, Yaakov sort of became alive, he sort of became very, very excited about the fact that his son that has separated and gone to Egypt still is connected to Hashem, is still following in the path. So, no wonder Yaakov was Vayichi, no wonder that he was living in Egypt, because he had it good. He had it good physically. He had it good uh, spiritually. All of his children, even the children that left him, and grandchildren were all committed, they're all following in the ways of Hashem, so he's all excited, so he's living over there. So what's the question that he asked him, how could they be the life of Egypt? So the question is not the very physical, literal, it's a question really conceptually, to try to understand. You know, Let's say somebody would tell you today, oh, we have the best place to study Torah is in Muncie, 
Yeah, and the best place to raise your family, religious family, is in Brooklyn. And the best place, not in Eretz Yisrael. You'd say, wait a minute, that couldn't be possible. What is, what is the meaning of the word Mitzrayim? Mitzrayim means limitations. I also said to you before, Mitzrayim was a low place. I mean, that represents a, an, an idea that it's all limitations. So in the world, you know, we say every day, what do we keep on saying every day? I am God, your God, who take, took you out of Egypt. Why are we talking about all the time God taking us out of Egypt, taking us out of Egypt, taking us out of Egypt again and again? Because the idea is we're talking about ourselves. We have our own little Egypt. We have our own little limitations. Those are our boundaries. Mitzrayim means mitzorim, boundaries and limitations. And we're saying that Hashem helps us to take us out of our boundaries. But the general boundaries, the place in the world which has limitation, is called Mitzrayim. So how could this setup be that while Yaakov lived in the land of Canaan, in the land of Israel, the place where there's supposed to be the divine presence, he was with his father, with, with, with Yitzchak over there, with everything. Those were not the best years. The best years come in Egypt, which means, yeah, we understand that he had good things going on over there, but how come? How could it be that when you're in Egypt, when you're in the lowest place, how come those are your best years? How could we compare Mitzrayim, which means limitation to Israel? How can those be those years be better than those in Israel? And what did the Rebbe answer him? He answered him that there was a place of Torah study. Basically, what the Rebbe was saying over there was that you can create a very holy and special place even when you are in Mitzrayim. So, Mitzrayim means limitation. We have to go out of Mitzrayim. But guess what? You can live physically in the land of Egypt, but you can be not in Egypt while living in Egypt. When you connect yourself, the Torah is God's gift to the world. Hashem basically put Himself into the Torah, and for us to be able to connect with Hashem, even though the logic and the study of Torah that we read are are very elementary relative to uh, the greatness of Hashem, yet... When we learn Torah, we connect ourselves to Hashem. So while we may be physically in Mitzrayim, but essentially we're connected with Hashem. In the, the, um, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, he suffered a lot under Stalin, under the Bolsheviks. They uh, uh, almost condemned him to death. Uh, he was imprisoned. And one of the things, while he was on the train station, going to his exile, that was exchanged for exile, was on the train station, and he openly spoke and he said, only our bodies are under the uh, dominance of the nations of the world, but our spirit, our soul, nobody can control. Our spirit has not been given under the dominance of the nations of the world. Basically, that if one can connect with their spirit, with the Torah, with their Yiddishkeit, with Hashem, you can physically be under the Bolsheviks, you can be in Mitzrayim, you can be anywhere in the world which oppresses you, but yet your spirit and your connection to Hashem is higher. So, that even in Egypt, even being in all these limitations are not really limiting for you, and you can sort of connect with Hashem and not be in Mitzrayim. That could be the best years you have. 
But, okay, so this explains to us that while in Egypt we cannot really, we can't say that you can't do it because you're in Egypt. No, you could connect on a higher level. You could. But the, still the question remains, but why is it only there? Why is it only in Egypt? We understand that all these limitations, all these boundaries, all the difficulties should not really stop you. But the question is, how do they make you? Why did Yaakov only live in Egypt? There is a concept which is called Yisron Ha'or, this is a Pasuk in Shlomo Melech in Kohelis. He says, Yisron Ha'or Min HaChoshech, which basically means there is an advantage of light over darkness. What does it mean there is an advantage of light over darkness? I mean, that doesn't take a wise king like Solomon to tell us that light is greater than darkness. So it's explained that the light is greater when we turn darkness to light. Sometimes we have light, which is recognizable, and sometimes we have darkness. If we have darkness, darkness is in our lives, challenges, and we can sort of turn it around and not let us put us, bring us down, then that light that shines through from that overcoming is much more powerful than the light that is just light. And like, for example, we say, sometimes you have a tzaddik. Tzaddik does always right in the beginning, never makes mistakes. Okay, that's a very powerful light of a tzaddik his soul brings a lot of light to the world. But if somebody who's about to shuva, which means has made mistakes in their lives, and then they find their way out, and they change themselves around, that is turning darkness into light. That's making a much higher. So when we turn darkness to light, and there is basically two levels you come into a room where it's light. Maybe you don't appreciate it that much. The room is light. You see everything. It's beautiful. And it's always nice. But what happens is you come into a room that's dark. There's no light over there. And then you can't find the switch. You can't. It's so dark. You trip over uh, things and you bump into things. And then you open the light. Oh, now you see there's an advantage now that there's light over there. In the beginning, you didn't appreciate the light so much because it wasn't dark. People who have their lives, everything going well, they don't have any difficulties. Everything goes well. They never have money issues. They don't have issues with Marriage, they, they find their mate easily without any problems. And they have a beautiful home, Shalom Bayit. And they have the Baruch Hashem with the children grow in the way they train, they wish for them to go. Everything goes well. They have light. They see only, only they don't maybe appreciate the what it means to have, to, to get something because... They had the light all the time. But what happens when somebody had a hard time, they had a health issue, and Hashem helped them, and now they're out of it. They had difficulty finding a a match for themselves. They had difficulty financially. They had difficulty with the children. What happens then? And then you see the light then it is so much more valuable and it's so much more appreciated, it's so much more uh, cherished because you have seen darkness 
and you've seen that the darkness has been turned around and now there is light. But that means that others can tell, others can tell, or you all can be the other, you can tell, yes, you know, now that I've experienced what it means, you know, not having or not getting something, now I appreciate when I get it, okay, that's one level. But there's even a stronger level, which means that when you turn darkness into light, uh, then the light is actually a more powerful light. It's a more brighter, a stronger, a healthier, and a more lasting light. That means that a light which comes from darkness, when you turn to darkness, when you take yourself and you take those hard times that you had, had or have, and you're able to turn them around and make those dark places itself, those hard times, make them shine, that light that comes from there is much greater and much more powerful. What does it mean in us in our service to Hashem? So, a lot of times we are in dark places. In environment, we're in Mitzrayim. We're in Mitzrayim. It doesn't mean that we ourselves are dark. The place we find ourselves is a dark place. In other words, we ourselves haven't yet succumbed to any of the darkness around us. But we all feel challenged because of the dark places around us. So there's darkness over there. And because of the darkness, you find yourself in difficult situations. And we tell you, you know what? Have confidence in yourself. Be strong. And you can overcome and when you're overcome, you'll see that your light and appreciation will be even stronger than before. Everybody will see. But sometimes the darkness reaches you yourself. Yourself, you can't handle it anymore. It's just too much. You find yourselves in difficult situations and you sort of give up on yourself, you become down, you become depressed, and you become immobile, you can't do anything, you become difficult. So then too, if that happens, one needs to know that you can take that darkness within your light, and you can turn the darkness to light, so then the light will come, will shine, will actually be much more powerful. So, when the Yidden were into Mitzrayim, when, they, when Yaakov came to Mitzrayim, while he lived in the land of Canaan, and he was with his father, and it was a spiritual, and it was nice, everything was good, Yaakov himself, his life was good. But he didn't really have the light that comes from darkness. He had only light. Everything was good. He did the right things. Everything was beautiful. He was in Israel. It was Eretz Yisrael. But being in Mitzrayim and seeing his son there, seeing all of the environment around him. So first of all, even if it doesn't affect the him himself, but now he gets to appreciate his son, his children. And I always... You know, we know we call the name Yosef Hatzadik. The word Sadik is reserved for Yosef. Why is Yosef the Tzadik? Because Yosef had to deal with different issues, different circumstances than his brother. Because he was in Egypt, he was the viceroy, he had to with the government, and there was all kinds. 
I mean, look at look at the politicians we have today. I'm not sure they were any better over there. So you know, you can't get a a straight word of truth out of there. You can't get uh, anything, uh, you know, decent everything else. So I'm assuming Yosef being living amongst the politicians, and you know, know the story with the Potiphar's wife. She was trying to entice him. So all this, all this made him into a tzaddik, made him to a tzaddik. So before Yaakov is in Egypt and before he comes face to face, before he directly sees how his son is behaving, he, didn't, he wouldn't appreciate it that much. He wouldn't see it. But when ya- Yaakov finally comes down to Mitzrayim and he sees all around him, and then he really... First of all, he thanks Hashem for his family, that his family is all intact, all the continuation of the Jewish people. His children will be the seed of the Jewish people. In Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim does not affect them. 17 best years. So he's, the darkness is turned to light. The Egypt, the surrounding, is turned to light. But more than that, more than that, a lot of times we find ourselves in situations when we fail ourselves, you know, we, we could not muster the strength, we could not have the willpower that it takes to overcome. And then we somehow dig deeper and we are able to connect to Hashem, then our connection becomes even greater, even more profound, a lot stronger than it was even before. And I think that, you know, we always, we're always confronted, but it helps to know that when we have challenges, they are not there for us to uh, give up, because even, even if, we, if we are able to overcome these challenges, that would be better than everything else but if even if we don't and we fail we should realize that once we can get ourselves together we will have the darkness that we have light that comes from darkness and the light that comes from darkness shines with tremendous amount of greater force with more intensity more lasting and it's actually the advantage of light that comes from the transformation, from the turning around, that darkness becomes light. You know, it says that sins can sometimes become mitzvahs. The sin that one does, even though one is not allowed to do a sin, but sometimes the sin can become a mitzvah. If the person does the proper teshuva, and that sin pushes him higher, so then, not only is it no longer a sin, but that sin becomes an actual mitzvah. It's amazing how we can turn darkness around to light. Never give up, keep on pushing, and eventually we will all reach that level. That's the message from the first sikh of the portion of Ayichi in the book of, 11th book in the 10th book of the Likuti Sikhas. What we'll do now, uh, we'll do now the... That was fabulous, Rabbi. You enjoyed it? Thank you. Great. So, excellent. I appreciate that. Let's do a little bit more. We have a few more minutes left over here. So, this is the other talk. Uh, The Rebbe, uh, we find something interesting. Yaakov, the heading is, Yaakov tried to reveal to his sons the end of days. Can you imagine? He wanted to tell him when all this will end and when the Messiah, when Mashiach will come. What happened? It says he tried. He did not succeed. He tried to reveal to his sons the end of days. Let's look at the Parsha. This is a couple of Parshas. This is already in in Shlishi, uh, so it says over there that Yaakov gathers his sons 
And this is what the Pasuk says. Yikro Yaakov el Bonov. So Yaakov calls his sons. Vayomer and he says, Hey Osfu, gather round. Vagida lochem, I will reveal to you. That will happen to you in the end of days. What did he want to tell them? Says Rashi, I'll tell you, what did he want to tell them? So Rashi says, He wanted to tell them the end. He wanted to tell them the end. When is this all going to end? When is all of the exile and all of the difficulty, the challenges, when is it all going to end? He wanted to tell them. But, the divine left him. He knew when the end was going to be. But as he was about to tell it to his children, the divine left him. So he started to say other things. We read in the Parsha. The Parsha, what do we read? In the Parsha we read, first he rebukes Ruvain, then he rebukes Shimon, and then he rebukes Levi. He rebukes them all. Finally he comes to Yehuda, he says, okay. And then he gives them all the blessings, he blesses them all. We don't see in the Pasuk anything, in the verses, nothing about telling them Anything about the about the future, the end? How do we know? How do we know that he tried to tell them something and he didn't? He didn't succeed in telling them that. And what does it mean that the divine left him? We do know that the divine was with him because he told them a lot of prophecies, as we read later on in the Chumash in the further in the portion of Ayichi, he was telling them the future and a lot of different things. What does it mean there was no divine? And the Rebbe explains as follows. You see, there's two first verses. This is verse Aleph, then we have base. By the way, are you able to... So he says, in verse he says again, He kavtsu, gather round, vishimu b'nei Yaakov, and listen, sons of Yaakov, Listen to your father Israel. So, the Rebbe says, why was the Pasik say again? We just read. He told them, gather around and I will tell you. And he's telling them again. Gather around and listen. But he just told them to gather around and I'll tell you what's going to happen at the end of the days. This tells Rashi that in the beginning he wanted to tell them something else which he didn't tell them. And then it required again, he says, gather around and listen to your father something new. Rashi knew that over here there was something in the middle. Why does Rashi come up with something not in the Pasuk? Because there is a New verse, the first verse says, gather and I'll tell you. And in the second verse, it says again, gather and I'll tell you. So why do we need two times, gather and I will tell you? So therefore, he says that there was something that he wanted to tell them and that he didn't tell them. Which really, this is the words, Va'agido lochem. The word say to you, Agido means reveal. We have two verses, and we also have the word Va'agido over here. Oh, okay. Somebody want. So the, the word uses the word Va'agido. I will reveal to you. Rebbe explains that what he was saying to them 
if you all gather together and you stick together, hey you gather, then I can reveal to you secrets. You know, the Jewish problem that we have is that we don't have unity, we don't have that get-together that people should get together and that's why we lack sometimes that divine inspiration the divine revelation that would come to us if we can get together he was saying to his sons if you get together then I can reveal to you that which happened the end of days But what happens when Yaakov tries very hard to get his children to unite, to get together? And let's remember, this was after they already sold Yosef and after they made up and they were already all together. But yet, getting together can be in different levels, right? We can get together all be in the same room. But guess what? We... We talk different languages, we don't listen to each other, we don't pay attention. Just because we're in the same room doesn't mean that we got together. It just means, you know, sometimes people can be next to each other, but they're facing back to back. They don't want to look at each other. So they're close proximity, but they're not really talking to each other. Their backs are to each other. Uh, Gathering together and divine presence which mean would mean it took a tremendous level of a unifying force for him to for their father Yaakov to reveal to his sons the end with the divine inspirations but the fact that he could not accomplish that at that point yet took away some of Yaakov's powers as well, which means Yaakov knew when the end was, but that particular prophecy of the end it was taken away from him. He had, the, he had the divine inspiration still. He continued to tell them divine-inspired stuff that's going to happen in future days. But this particular requirement for this, knowing the end of the Galut, that revelation, which is hidden, it's mysterious, that he could not tell them unless they were able to get to that level of gathering in a very deep and a very high level of gathering. And since they didn't have it, so it affects Yaakov because at the moment, you know, when parents want so badly and we know the biggest nachas of parents is when the kids get together, they get along, they're good to each other, and how much parents are upset when the children don't fight and don't get along, and are, that's something which hurts parents a lot. So, but in this case, when Yaakov the father is trying to bestow upon his children some of his deepest inspiration and he sees no that his children cannot actually reach that level it breaks Yaakov's heart as well he loses some of that that's why he didn't have any more that inspiration that particular inspiration himself see it's when you face sometimes reality you know it says Moshe Rabbeinu he was on the mountain he knew that the Jewish people made the golden calf, and Hashem told him. So he, he had no question, he had no doubt, he knew about it. But just knowing about it did not affect him. Of He still was carrying the luchot, he was bringing them the tablets. But when he actually had to face reality, when he saw the golden calf and the dance and the song and everything else, that literally took Moshe Rabbeinu and he dropped the tablets. When a lot of times we know, but uh, we know the situation, but we're not faced with this. Uh, still, 
we don't really we don't really uh, get it. It doesn't touch us. But when we face the reality, that's on a whole different level. So here you have Yaakov trying to inspire his sons. There's a verse, we read this verse, he says to them, let me tell you. And after this verse, it doesn't say anything. Then it starts a new verse. Gather and listen to your father Yisrael, right? So, why did the Torah... Okay, he attempted to say something to his children, and then he couldn't tell them. So why tell us about this? It's like telling... Telling... uh, your child, oh, oh! I bought a present for you, <laughs> but I'm not giving it to you because you didn't, you didn't behave well. Okay, you know, I mean, why, why tell it to him? Okay, well, maybe in that case you're telling it to them because you want them to know what they lost it. But Yaakov, the Torah is telling it to us, relating the story that Yaakov told his son something that he couldn't tell them. So it almost seems like this whole verse. Yikra Yaakov, Lachem, he never told them. He told them only this starting with Pasuk Beis. So why does the Torah tell us this? So the Rebbe says, no, this is not in vain. Even though he couldn't influence them in a very inner, direct way, but he was able to make a change. He did impact them by trying to impart in them his divinity, his inspiration, to his children, he accomplished that in a surrounding way. In other words, that while they are not yet fully ready to perceive that and listen to when the end will come, but yet they already have some sort of a connection to it. It did. We have to say that, because otherwise the Torah wouldn't write those words, extra words. So we have to say, why does the Torah tell us this? And this is actually an inspiration for all of us. You know, we've been waiting for Mashiach for so many generations and for so many years. And then we wonder, how could our generation, with all of our problems and with the pandemic, with all of the the, the difficulties, how could our generation be the generation that is going to deserve Mashiach? How is it possible? And this is what the Parsha writes this, to tell them, no, no, there is an end. And we do have an inspiration for that. We may not know it, we may not see it, we may not feel it, it doesn't make logical sense to end. But it's in our surrounding, in our gut, in our inside, we know and we believe that it could be our, we anticipate the coming of Mashiach every day. And we can be the generation that marries the coming of Mashiach, literally. And that's why the Torah tells us. The Torah tells us that while it's hidden and we don't have uh, clarity and we have confusion, but yet there is that verse that tells us that there is the end of days and the end of days is known. Yaakov knows the end of days. And there is an end of days. It's only a matter that we haven't heard it yet exactly when that is. But it is. It is coming. The Geula is coming. Mashiach is coming. Our generation is the generation that could and the Mitzvah Shem will uh, merit the coming of Mashiach. And uh, again, I want to take this opportunity to wish... Everyone, you know, uh, only blessings, you know, we're standing here in a time of uh, difficulties. And I'm hoping like in the first Sikha to see the light from the darkness, you know, after going through the pandemic and all the, not only should we feel good that we're no longer in, in the pandemic, but it should make us better people so that once we live through this, we'll actually not only shine because we had challenges, but we'll actually shine a lot more. But especially, and to merit the coming of Mashiach, like we'll in the second season, but especially to 
give a bracha to Nancy, our birthday girl, today. Because your Hebrew birthday, that's the main that we celebrate. At least that's the main. And that's the day that you have the special powers. So wishing you uh, success and, first of all, health. If you have your health, that's first before everything else. Health. And the next thing is happiness. Because, you know, you need to be able to, with your health, to be able to enjoy all the good things that Hashem bestows upon you. So health, happiness, good fortune, and uh, shalom bayit, and uh, just good feeling, a good feeling about, about life, about everything. And when you feel good, then you are able to conquer the world. Then there's no obstacles, you know. When you're strong and you're confident, you can do it, you know. Like I said before, from Hanukkah, what was the miracle the first day of Hanukkah? Well, it was enough for eight for for eight days, so the first day seems to be not a miracle. Well, there's different answers. But one answer is the miracle that they even undertook the challenge. Why am I going to go light the menorah? It's only, it ain't going to last. Why am I going to go light it? But that was the message, that was the miracle, that the people didn't think that way. They said, you know what? I'm going to try. Let's light it for one day. And guess what? It ended up lighting for eight days. Our life is like that also. You say, I have nothing to try. What are, I know that I'm not going to succeed. You know? How could I? It makes no sense. And a lot of times in life, you know, you don't even want to, you don't want to go there. So my blessing to you, Nancy, is that you should try and you'll succeed even much more than you even expect out of yourself. You'll succeed and go from strength to strength. And Shem will send you all the blessings. Uh, many beautiful. years. Many, many.